Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. Welcome back in on a Monday. It's June 15th. You're listening to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. It's great to be with you coming off of a weekend where uh, we actually had live sports here in America that did not involve uh, beating the crap out of each other or driving a car. The PGA Tour came back. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, actually. I'm going to make a note to mention something about a sports broadcast without fans and what that felt like. Because I feel like going into the football season and there there's a real chance that stadiums are at half capacity or even less depending on where we are and what can be taken away what can be learned from what the PGA Tour did this weekend and how it's going to feel so you had that you had uh big I guess we can call it big news in Major League Baseball dueling statements the the owners and the players could not come to an agreement so now it's up to Rod Manfred Rob Manfred excuse me to implement this 50-game farce of a season, and there's going to be nothing but bad blood going into next year's collective bargaining agreement, and then there's scandal with the New York Yankees and sign-stealing, and Major League Baseball is just in a really, really, really bad place right now. So we'll get to that coming up a little bit later as well. But I do want to start with this. So you had some significant news on the Ole Miss front, or so we thought was significant news on the Ole Miss front yesterday, and if you listen to the Sunday show, and if you don't, um, I'd encourage you to check it out, um, 8 to 10 every Sunday morning, uh, me and a guy named Stephen Gagliano from News Mississippi do um, a weekend reaction show every Sunday morning on Super Talk, uh, if you care to hear it, but this news broke um, as the show was going on, so in real time, I, I had to react to it, and uh, it said that uh, Ole Miss football players, uh, as many as 12, had the coronavirus, which could be traced back uh, to some kind of social gathering or a party. And it, so when I was reacting to it in real time, I thought that this was, you know, it's bad. It, this is exactly what people are afraid of, bringing players back to campus, bringing students back to campus. This is the kind of thing that could derail a season. And that report actually made may not be true. Um, you have, I guess, dueling sources, if you will. I'm, I'm reading from Nate Gabler, who uh, I think used to be at the Oxford Eagle. Now he's with uh, Sports Illustrated, the, the Ole Miss Maven site. And here's what he said on Twitter. He's at Nate Gabler, if you want to follow him. He said, in contradiction to reports earlier today stating otherwise, Ole Miss officials have confirmed to him that they have no additional positive COVID-19 cases. He said nine additional players who tested negative are being quarantined as they were deemed in, deemed to be in close contact with two other positives. He goes on to say this information came directly from Shannon Singletary, the Ole Miss Senior Associate AD for Health and Sports Performance, who is in charge of uh, the, the COVID-19 thing. Nate also notes that the university is required by law to release positive COVID-19 test cases if more come out, which wouldn't be unexpected, they will be required to confirm that by law. So it's not like this potentially happened and they are covering it up because, according to Nate, they are uh, required to release that kind of data. So we're going to find out one way or another very, very soon. And Nate's not the only one that is um, 
reported something contrary to the original 12 Ole Miss players uh, testing positive story. So I'm going to err on the side of that report uh, not being true. That's just how I'm going to operate this podcast. Maybe by the time you listen, some other information comes out later. But for right now, I'm going to operate as if Nate and others are correct and the original report that 12 Ole Miss players uh, tested positive are incorrect. And what a relief that is, uh, to tell you the truth. Because what 12 positives would have done for... Looking at it in a very superficial sense, what 12 positives would have done for Ole Miss in their preparation for the season, it, it would have it would have damaged that some. I mean, 12 guys would have to be quarantined for, for many number of days, not able to work out, not able to be around the facility. It would have caused a headache for Ole Miss and just like the season preparation aspect. And right now, these times with Wilson Love, the strength coach, and their, the kind of instruction that they're able to do and workouts that they're able to do right now, are especially important for a place like Ole Miss that is replacing a coach, implementing a new system and a new style with a new strength coach, and everything's really new, and they didn't get to have a spring. And so these times right now, even with all the hang-ups, are, are critical for them in their effort to get ready for the, the season. So it's a big sigh of relief, but I think it is at least a wake-up call nonetheless because the the big question, and I haven't seen an answer to this yet, is what happens if there's an outbreak like this during the season? Not a couple of guys. I think that answer is easy. What happens if you have one player test positive for coronavirus? Well, you test the rest of the team. If they're negative, you treat that one player like he sprained his ankle. Uh, you sit him out for two weeks and you press on because football is a violent sport. There are injuries and you treat it as if it's an injury after you test everybody else. That seems like a fairly simple answer. But what happens when it's 12 guys? What happens when it's 12 guys and six of them are on the defensive line? Are you really going to make a team, especially one like Ole Miss that has defensive line depth issues to begin with? We'll talk about that as the season approaches. But... If Ole Miss has six defensive linemen test positive for coronavirus so they can't play in a given week, are you really going to make them try to suit up and play? That's a question that I haven't really seen an answer to. And maybe they're working on that behind the scenes, but to tell you the truth, I've thought about it for a while, and I don't know what the correct answer is. I have no idea what you do in that situation. Because say Ole Miss is playing LSU. Are you really going to make a team with three available defensive linemen line up and play against LSU. That, that That is spilling into player safety and competitive fairness. You know what I mean? It, it, I don't think it's safe to put a team on the field that has, I, I keep using this example, six defensive linemen that are unavailable for the game. And maybe you just have to press on. I remember last year, uh, Stanford at one point had more scholarship linemen out for the season than available to play in a game. So, I mean, maybe you do just say, I'm sorry, but you, you got to push on, figure it out. I don't know. But I have not seen an answer to that question. What happens if an outbreak like this uh, happens during the season? But the reality is, in something that that not a lot of people are really willing to talk about when it comes to college athletes, is the fact that um, even if a dozen Ole Miss players did test positive, even if that did happen, uh, 
the likelihood of them even showing symptoms is very, very small. And the likelihood of them being affected by coronavirus in any sort of serious way is minuscule. I mean, that's just rooted in, in fact. And I people call that insensitive, and people will say that, oh, it's all about the money, and, and yeah, that's partially true. If there's not a football season, uh, there are people, uh, livelihoods that will go away. Oxford will never be the same if, I say never, never is a strong word, will not be the same moving forward for a while without a football season. Businesses will close. People will lose their jobs. The town, the area around the school will suffer. The school will suffer. People will lose their livelihoods. So yeah, maybe in part it is all about the money, but but this is seen as insensitive to some. But the likelihood of of these players being truly affected by it are minimal. Statistically, the the percentage is so low, it's not even really a factor. They're more likely of dying in a car accident on the way to practice than they are of coronavirus that they got at practice. And I know it's not just about the players. It's about people that they may come in contact with. It, it Elderly folks, uh, people at the grocery store, uh, there's... There's more to it than just does it affect me or does it affect them because if they have it and they're asymptomatic, they can spread it to other people. But when you look at the bubble that they've kind of created there, college campus, a college campus is kind of like a bubble, especially for athletes who they eat at the facility. They sleep on campus or at their apartment off campus, but everything they have and everything they need is all amongst themselves within this bubble. And Again, the likelihood of this actually affecting them is, is minuscule. And I think the conversation needs to start shifting towards that. Not eliminating the protections, not trying not to get it, not asking people to wear masks when they're around each other or asking people to social distance or whatever, not to do that, but to remember that when there's a report that comes out about Alabama has, what was it, six positive coronavirus tests, the response shouldn't be, oh no, see, this is why college football is not going to happen this year. The response should be, number one, good that it's happening now. Good that it's happening there. Because on top of the fact that that young people are statistically not affected by this, I mean, it's a fraction of a percent. They have access to elite-level medical care and attention and testing and focus and, and oversight. And in a lot of cases, they don't have that at home or away from the programs. It, that's just the reality. And that would be the reality for most people, myself included. I would have better, better care if I was a college football player than I do right now. So the reaction instead of the world is burning. That, oh, Ole Miss had a, a couple of positives when they returned to campus. Uh, you've seen that from some people, that the reaction is, this is why we can't have a season, because you have players with coronavirus. It's good that it's happening now. They're in a situation where they have the best care, the best attention, the best oversight, checks and balances, all of that good stuff. And it, it's time to start talking about it like how it is. And it's quite simply, statistically, they're unaffected. There's 
that extremely rare exception because there's always exceptions to every rule. Always. But I don't think this would have been, even if it was real, and it apparently is not, that Ole Miss does not have a dozen players that are positive. It is not a reason to not continue on and to play football this year. I've seen people suggest that this is putting their, their safety in jeopardy, and that is statistically just not true. And I know it, again, people call that insensitive, and they can do that if they want, but that's not rooted in reality. Those players being on that campus, getting ready to play a football season right now is not jeopardizing their health and safety. It's not. It is not. They have the best, again, best access to medical care. They have testing whenever they need it. They have people that are looking out for them. They have, they know who is preparing their food every day. They have everything taken care of for them. They are in a safe place. They are around a bunch of people that are also very unlikely to get it. There is no reason to panic when a story like this comes out. There's no reason to think that this should derail a season. Yes, there are questions about what happens if you have a large outbreak within a team during the season. But if if you think that this is a sign of why people shouldn't press on, really look at really look at what would happen if they don't. And that's also an insensitive thing to some people. Look at what would happen if they don't. If they choose not to play a season, if they choose not to to push on over something that will not affect them at all, the likelihood of them, again, the likelihood of them being in a car accident and dying of a car accident on the way to practice is far more likely than that of the coronavirus. What stopping this season and not playing over something like that will do. And people don't like that. It makes people uncomfortable. Mike Gundy got ripped apart because he told the truth that the state of Oklahoma needs these guys to play. And he was ripped to shreds for it, partially because he mentioned the One American News Network, which that was pretty cringeworthy. But his... His sentiment about they're young, they're healthy, we can keep them in some sort of a bubble and, and give them protections and give them good health care and still put the games on because people depend on them, those players included, are that's not immoral to say that. On top of the fact that if if it does not happen, college sports, as you know it is is gone. Everything will be cut except for the money makers and the women's sports that have scholarships that add up to the total of the money makers. Most every baseball program is gone. Everything besides football and basketball and the women's sports that equal those number of scholarships, everything else will be gone. Oxford will change for a long time. People will lose their jobs and their livelihoods, myself included. So, it's a difficult conversation. I know people don't like it. It makes people uncomfortable. But at this point, this is not reason to panic. I guess that is a very long-winded way for me to say this. these kind of stories right now are not a reason to panic. 
They are not a reason to shut things down. They are a reminder. They are a wake-up call that there is still a virus out there. It is still pretty easily spread between people. It is still something that we have to take precautions with and keep in the back of our mind when we go out. You know, I, I wear a mask when I go into the grocery store still. It's just what I do. Those kind of things still have to be done. But life doesn't have to shut down again, especially when you've got a group of college kids all around themselves. If there is a positive test or two, you isolate that person and you can continue pushing on, and it's not immoral to do it. That's the point. It's there. It's real. It's still out there. We still have to uh, adjust the way we do things for a while longer. I'm okay with that. I'm sure you're okay with that as long as it means we can return to some kind of normalcy. It is just what we have to do. There's nothing immoral or wrong about that. And so this story, even though it appears to appears to not be true, is, uh, is a nice reminder of all of that. Speaking of, as we transition, uh, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, Ole Miss's game against Baylor may look a little bit different than you probably expected, which I anticipate this is why there's a hang-up in releasing that the game is going to be moved to Sunday. Now, this uh, coronavirus thing may interrupt that or, or cause that to be different, but that's the anticipation is the game will be moved to Sunday. But it might look a little different. So the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, uh, on Friday did a Zoom call with 12 athletic directors from the state of Texas, all of whom play uh, FBS football. Can you believe that? There's 12 athletic directors in the state of Texas that uh, have football teams in the FBS. And he told them not to expect their stadiums to be above 50% capacity this fall. That does include... Uh, the Ole Miss and, and Baylor game in Houston. Texas has reopened uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, initially, the first release was that stadiums can be allowed to operate at 25% capacity. He revised that recently to say that um, they can operate at 50% capacity. And you kind of put one and two together and thought, you know, if they're already at 50% three months from three months from now, Maybe they're going to be full and everything will be back to normal. Problem is, there's been a significant outbreak in Texas, especially in Houston. Which, a few things on that. A lot can change in three months. But I do not think, no matter what, I do not think the 50% thing will derail the game, by the way. I think they will, and by talking to some people that would know, there's no definitive answer, but it feels like if 50% is the cap, they're still going to play the game in Houston. Obviously, there's going to be a limited capacity, but the game will still be played. Based on conversations I've had, the feeling around there is that they're still going to play in Houston at 50% capacity. Things, of course, can change, but that's what I'm hearing right now. And a lot can change in three months, good and bad. So there's a significant outbreak in Houston right now, but if you remember, March is only three months away as well. And think about all that has happened between March 15th and June 15th. All the things that have changed, that have been done, that we've learned, we shut down, we reopen. Shutdown was a, an economic disaster, but that happened. We've reopened. There's more outbreaks. More things can happen in another three months, good and bad. 
So this outbreak going on in Houston right now is not a sign that the game's not going to be played. I've seen a few people suggest that, well, they just need to shut it down and either not play the game or move it somewhere else. They do not need to make that call right now at all. Uh, Not even close. Three months is a very long time. Houston has a long time to settle down, if you will, before they expect to play this football game there. So a lot can happen in three months, good and bad. And another question is, what happens if that happens here? Let's say the governor of Mississippi decides stadiums can only operate at a 50% capacity this fall. We were told by Keith Carter that that would lead to tens of millions of dollars in losses year over year. Tens of millions of dollars of losses if Vaught-Hemingway cannot operate at full capacity this fall. And I've noticed that their season ticket number is not great. I assume it's just because of this coronavirus deal, because before this happened, the momentum for Lane Kiffin's hire was through the roof. I saw they had sold uh, 25,000 season tickets so far. That does not include the students or opposing fans, as I understand it. They keep pushing back the deadlines and stuff like that, as they should, because of uncertainty. But if that happens here, it's tens of millions of dollars in losses. So that call, and it's not being made in Texas. Uh, Greg Abbott told his athletic directors to be prepared for it, but that wasn't like a final declaration. Um, Things can change. Like I said, things can change in three months, but that would be a massive hit for Ole Miss if that's what has to happen. And hopefully hopefully it doesn't. And at some point, I think people have to assume their own risk, right? I know that's also insensitive, and and people get very upset when you say things like that because it's not just about you, it's about people around you. And and I get that. I truly do. Um, My wife spends time around her elderly grandparents, one of which has an underlying health condition. So we, we have to be careful. But at some point, when you look at the, the numbers and the statistics of this thing, if you wear a mask and, and wash your hands and use sanitizer and don't breathe on people, at some point you have to allow people to assume their own risk when they go to these venues. At some point, it should become a personal decision. And maybe these schools are just kind of scared of lawsuits or, or whatever it may be, but... Um, I mean, I'd be willing to sign a waiver or a disclaimer if that's what it took to, to go to a game this fall. I, I would be comfortable with that. I'd be okay with that. And if you're not, you don't have to go. I've never understood this, I, this especially right now. We, we've eliminated personal responsibility and decision-making away from people. And yes, it's a it's a virus that, that can spread and it's scary and, and, and all of that stuff. But in, in three months from now, if franchises or, or sports leagues want to open their doors and allow people inside to, to some degree, that's not something I'm against. Because if I were to go, I would have a mask on. I would wash my hands regularly. We'd have hand sanitizer with me. I would protect myself in order to not get it and to not spread it to to other people. And I don't know. Personal responsibility is still a thing, I think. And and that's 
not mentioned enough, not considered enough uh, when it comes to something like this. So I don't think the game is going to be affected in any way. Fewer people will be in the stadium, I'm sure, and Houston's got a a long time to figure this out and and mitigate uh, this second wave, if you will, in the city. Or it could also go in the opposite direction and get worse. But three months is a really long time. Uh, I got a text message uh, yesterday about, um, you know, from a buddy that was trying to figure out whether or not they were going to go to the game and and schedule a trip because flights are so cheap and and stuff like that. And I told him to to go ahead uh, because I don't expect a cancellation to occur. That's just my opinion. So we'll see what happens. But that game is going to get played. As long as there's not another shutdown from the the feeling that that I get from talking to people, that game's going to get played. A couple of other thoughts uh, from the weekend. First, uh, as far as Major League Baseball goes, went on a pretty significant rant on the uh, the Sunday show yesterday uh, about just the absolute blown opportunity. At this point, you already know that. We've talked about it on this podcast a good bit. You probably heard it from everywhere, but Major League Baseball... Uh, the the very public and childish uh, negotiations that went on back and forth between the two and the way it was handled and not getting a deal done. And so now the commissioner is going to have to force some 50-game season on them. Uh, entering just a weird year where every other sports league, even the NBA, has got to hang up, but they're going to end up playing. Don't Don't let this Kyrie mess distract anybody from the fact that uh, once the league lets them know that if they don't show up and play, they don't get paid and their CBA gets ripped up, they're going to return to play. Um, everybody else has been able to figure this out. Everybody else except for baseball. And it was done publicly and in such a immature manner. And now you've got a scandal. Oh, yeah, it turns out the Yankees were cheating too. I mean, can you believe that? The Yankees cheaters? Oh, I'm shocked. Um, but you've... You've got a sport that's riddled in scandal. You have the steroid era, which had a really nice documentary last night uh, with uh, Sosa and McGuire. You have the uh, sign-stealing scandal, and now you've got this wage dispute that's going to end up in this farce of a season that will compete up against football basically the entire time. Look, you won't even have the summer to yourself. It's 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 a joke. Uh, it's going to be a short season that nobody's going to pay attention to. And uh, next year... You've got another wage dispute coming when there's likely going to be a holdout. If I was a Major League Baseball fan, if I was a true fan, like I'm a casual sports fan, I'll watch Major League Baseball if there's nothing else on. Uh, They could have won me over. They could have completely won me over starting on 4th of July even, which that would have been even a little bit later than they needed to start, but that would have been just a badass day, 4th of July, Major League Baseball starting. But instead, they completely blew an opportunity to win people like me over. And they are... I mean, this is awful for the the fans of Major League Baseball. I cannot imagine being emotionally invested in this league with with weak leadership, with cheating scandals and tainted World Series, and now this wage dispute and the way it was handled... Uh, I could not, and then television blackouts on top of that, nonsensical television blackouts. Like when the season does return, there's still going to be TV blackouts, even though you can't go to the game. And they've never really made sense anyway, because some of them are are states over, and they still black you out when there's a, a home game, so you can't watch your favorite baseball team. Everything they do 
everything Major League Baseball does is shooting themselves in the foot and like anti-fan. I could not imagine. I feel bad for baseball fans today. That's what I kept thinking when I would read these statements. It's yeah, they're, they're billionaires versus millionaires, and, and most people side with the players, and, and I do too. But it doesn't really matter, right? Because who cares? This was an embarrassment at all levels. It's all of your faults. This is only hurting the long-term health of your game when you could have you had an opportunity right in front of your face right there for the taking where you could have been the only sport and gotten people back and been actually America's pastime for the first time in decades. That could have been you. And instead you blew it. And so you deserve the lesser revenues. You deserve the negative publicity that's coming. You deserve to get buried in a fall that's going to be filled with incredible sports except for yours. They deserve everything that's coming. The owner's more of the blame, but it doesn't really matter because they are all losing. They blew an opportunity, and if I'm a baseball fan, I'm furious today. I, I could not imagine a sport that is just actively doing everything it can to embarrass itself or shoot itself in the foot time after time after time. There's there's an issue at the very top with leadership. There's an issue with the, the culture of the owners, and to some degree, the players are at fault with the way this was handled so publicly. This the, the whole thing is a mess. They're heading towards a lockout, which will just wreck the sport, by the way. Have a wage dispute uh, during this coronavirus thing where 40 million people uh, were out of work and em- economic losses were just astronomical and everybody else figured out how to play except for you and then, and then do all this and play your farce of a season that nobody's going to pay attention to and then go into a lockout year. See what happens to the long term. Just see what happens to your sport in the long term. I feel bad for you guys if you're a big-time baseball fan. This sucks. You don't deserve it. The players really don't deserve it either, even though they could have handled the negotiations better. Leadership, ownership, and Major League Baseball sucks. It 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 sucks. And, and you're going to have to suffer now. I hate it. I hate it for you. I, I just I can't believe they've allowed this to go on. And the owners need to open up their books, too. Pretending like they don't make any money. Come on. Like, I know viewership's down and attendance is down, but you're still... Come on. Nobody buys that crap. Like the Cardinals owner saying that baseball's just not that profitable, then why are, why are you in it? Sell your team. Go make hundreds of millions of dollars somewhere. Uh, oh, wait, that's right. You can't go make that money somewhere else. What a joke. Ugh. Finally, last thought here from the weekend PGA Tour uh, golf. Daniel Berger won the Charles Schwab. They're going to uh, Harbortown this weekend. Uh, top five players in the world at Harbortown, which is not something that you see very often. It's usually the tournament the week after the Masters, and so their field's not particularly good. It's also kind of a funky course. It's a, a great property. It, it's a well-designed golf course in, in a beautiful area. But it's... um. It's very tight, a lot of overhanging trees. I think it's only 6,900 yards. They may have expanded it, but it's a, it's a short target golf course and, and hasn't really attracted the biggest names, but they'll get them this week, which is really good. But the, the thing that I noticed the most this weekend was obviously the lack of fans. And I don't think it took away from the quality of play. Actually, I know it didn't take away from the quality of play. But there were certain moments down the stretch yesterday 
where the players didn't show as much emotion or or the moment didn't feel as big because there was nobody there to react to it. There's something about a crowd roar or reaction that makes you feel how big a moment is. I mean, there were big putts like down the stretch on the back nine where guy would make a putt and like he he wouldn't even really fist pump or anything and, and there was no reaction and because you were watching and you had a scoreboard in front of you, you knew how big it was, but it didn't feel big because you were missing fans. It'll feel that same way in the NBA. I, I'm really looking forward to them coming back. I think the playoff structure is good. I love the NBA. I'm really looking forward to it. But there is going to be a difference. Big shots may not feel as big. I mean, even when when a big shot is hit on the road, you can feel the disappointment in the crowd, and that still makes that shot big. There's, there's an added element to fan reaction, live fan reaction, that playing the sounds from NBA 2K aren't going to replicate. Like pumping in fan noise on the broadcast isn't going to change anything because the players feed off of that and they react to it, and it's the visual that, that really makes a difference. So I, I loved watching it this weekend. I, I I think CBS did a good job, all things considered. I know people like to rip on CBS's golf coverage, but I enjoyed it. Um, kudos to the players and kudos to the tour for for creating their bubble and participating it in putting on the tournament. I enjoyed the heck out of it, but there is something missing. And if we have to play NFL football, for example, uh, this fall without fans, you're going to feel a difference. The games are still going to be quality. I'm still going to love watching. But I noticed that this weekend. There, there is definitely, definitely a difference without people there. I'm still going to watch. I'm sure you are too. But you can feel it. And I felt it this weekend watching golf. By the way, the show is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Just off of University Avenue, across from Kroger. Go see Greg, I hope. Uh, you got some grilling in this weekend. I did so myself. Stop in this week for uh, for a plate lunch. Uh, they serve them every weekday. They're always really good. I remember uh, back when I was in school, they had, right after Ole Miss made uh, Omaha, I, I was in town for another few months before I started at, at Super Talk, and they had an Omaha burger, which I had probably three or four days a week. And uh, that's why I had to uh, buy a bunch of new clothes before I started my job <laughs> because I lived off of those for a couple months. Yeah, not good for my health. However, uh, still go stop by and see Greg. Uh, best meat market in the state, LB's, University Avenue across from Kroger. Proud to have them on uh, as a sponsor of the podcast and uh, go see them. Good people there at LB's. Great meat market. And uh, I think the weather should be great again upcoming this weekend. Uh, so make some plans. I'm going to throw a brisket on the smoker this weekend. Make your plans now. Go do the same LB's meat market there in Oxford. That's it for me on this Monday. Uh, I'll be on the radio this afternoon from 3 to 6. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky or on my Facebook page. Just search Michael Borky. Like my Facebook page there. And I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.